I went on to the Beyond Blue website during the week. Um, it contains information to help Australians achieve their best possible mental health, it says. And one of the things that's mentioned there, and I read what they said, having a sense of purpose or meaning is important. It gives the motivation that, that drives you towards a satisfying future. It also helps you to get the most out of things you do and achieve, do and achieve, large and small, right now. And it then advises that any person who is struggling to find their sense of purpose should seek help from one of the organisations listed. We need a purpose. That's the way that we are wired. We need a purpose in life in order for us to be healthy. How much more so in the spiritual realms do we need a, a purpose in order to be spiritually healthy? So if we want to be a bunch of healthy believers, we need a sense of purpose. And of course, this is captured in our um, mission statement, which everybody will be able to repeat after me, making disciples of Jesus Christ for life. Did I hear anyone? <laughs> making disciples of Jesus Christ for life. Let me say, this is what keeps me going personally. I have the privilege and the responsibility to help you and others to grow as a follower of Jesus Christ. I have a calling as a minister, an ordained minister, where I made promises that I would lead people into maturity in Jesus Christ. And it's not just you know, my, my calling because the, the, the bishop laid hands on me and told me to do that. It's... it's it's my calling because it's a, it, is, it gives purpose to my life to be involved in making disciples of Jesus Christ. And it isn't just my mission or calling. In a sense, this is the calling of the church. This is the calling of all believers as we share our life in Christ together. And in his letter to the church in Colossae, the Apostle Paul gave this great summary of his sense of purpose, the mission that he shared with those who were with him. He didn't do this on his own. He says that it is we. It's a plural. It's a group of people. And he says in verse 28 of Colossians chapter 1, he, that is Jesus, is the one we proclaim. Jesus, he says, is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. In that um, simple little sentence there, we have Paul's mission is to present everyone mat fully mature in Christ. Growing disciples of Jesus Christ for life. I wouldn't have minded if he'd have ripped off our phrase, but it means the same thing, doesn't it? It means the same thing. Paul's purpose with those who are with him is to present everyone fully mature in Christ and he says to this end I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me so in the in these couple of sentences here Paul he gives us his mission statement 
Then he gives us his method of how he achieves that mission statement and then he gives his, his manner or, or his um, dedication to actually doing the job and how he does that. So his, his mission in um, verse 28, the second half of, his, of 28, that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. The focus of Paul's life work is to help every person become mature in Christ. Paul had never visited Colossae as far as, as, far as we know. And he didn't know many Christians from the city. But his purpose for the Colossians was the same purpose for any other group of, of people that Paul had met with and spoken with. And it's amazing, isn't it, that he would give his purpose even to these people he doesn't know because he wants this to, uh, to be their focus as well. Now, maturity is an interesting thing, isn't it? Um, I'm at the point where people have started to call me an old person. Uh, that's not that nice. Twice, I think, I've been um, called Charlie's grandfather, which he just loves. <laughs> um, being, an, being called an old person is not that good, but what about being, being called a mature person? That's nice, isn't it? That's got a ring about it. I can, I can wear that. I'm mature. Okay? Uh, but let me suggest to you that old age is inevitable, but maturity is not. Okay? Old age comes to all of us, but maturity may not. And spiritual uh, maturity doesn't just come to us because we've chalked up another year as a Christian, as a believer. Christian maturity comes to us when our faith in Jesus Christ is put to the test and we walk through those difficult, trouble, uh, difficult issues and troubles and life experiences with Christ beside us. We face the trials, the difficult choices of life, the suffering that sometimes comes or maybe even the ridicule. We stick with Jesus and through that we grow to be more like him. Through that, he develops our Christian maturity. Now, as I say that, I'm, I'm aware that for most of us, our first point of call is to avoid difficult situations at any cost. We live in a culture, don't we, where avoidance is a normal part of everybody's life. Don't go there if it's not going to make you happy. Don't do that if it's tough. Don't say those words if they're going to uh, you know, impact you in some way that they're going to come back to you. Don't do that. And what that means for Christians is that we are constantly challenged to abandon Jesus when trouble comes. We are constantly uh, travel, uh, um, tempted. It's, it's a real temptation. We're happy to come to church where we're with like-minded people and we can talk about Jesus and we can stand up for Christian truths. But then life during the week, when opposition to Christ comes, how do we respond? At work, when someone brings up an ethical or a moral situation or a behaviour or, or attitude that is opposed to Jesus, what do you do? Do you remain silent and say, oh, well, there's no sense in saying anything? Or do you actually stand your ground as a Christian 
and say, well, I don't agree with that. I don't think that way. It's a hard thing to do, isn't it? A simple thing, but a hard thing to do. Particularly in the workplace. Here's a thought. Are there no Christian leaders in the banking system? There are. There are. But what happened to them? When, when the chips were down. It is so easy for us, isn't it, to just to go with the flow and, and not to say anything. Whether it's at work or whether it's at home, when the kids pester you, everybody else is watching MA movies, everybody else is allowed to go to the city and not get home until 11 o'clock at night or whatever it is. And all these things that, that, um, that you think as a Christian parent are not wise you basically get worn down by the drip treatment and you are tempted to go with the flow and just say, oh, okay, then off you go. Will we stick by our, our Christian principles and our Christian expectations? And what about personally in our spare time? I'm sure that like me, you intend to make time each day to read the Bible and to pray but how do we feel if we don't make it, if we don't quite get there? We just say, oh, well, you know, maybe tomorrow, I'll try again. Do we keep our own word, our own integrity before God? Christian maturity is not for the special few. It's not just for church leaders or missionaries or, you know, super spiritual people. Paul wants every person to reach spiritual maturity. He wants everybody who he comes in contact with to become whole, complete, perfect. That's what that picture of spiritual maturity is. It is someone who is whole and complete. And as I said, spiritual maturity is not inevitable. We actually need to have a plan and a purpose to develop that spiritual maturity. We need to follow Jesus Christ through every circumstance and especially when it's uncomfortable for us or inconvenient. Paul's mission was to, he was determined to give as many people as possible the opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, to come to faith in Christ. But he didn't just get them to sign a commitment card and to pray a prayer and then move on. No, his purpose was to help every Christian to grow in their faith in Christ. So we've just gone through the letter of Titus. Paul did a mission um, with Titus through Crete. People were converted. Paul moved on. But he sent Titus back to establish leadership so that the people of the new churches would become mature in Christ. That, that is his purpose. Growing disciples for life. People who will grow in maturity for decades and decades, for the whole of their life. So that's his mission. What's his method? If he wants to present everybody mature in Christ, what does he actually do to achieve that? Well, he tells us uh, here in this letter to the Colossians in the first part of verse 28, he says, He, that is Jesus, he is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. So it shouldn't surprise us, Paul says, we put Jesus first. 
We want people to grow to maturity in Christ. So we focus on Jesus. He's the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. On his missionary journeys, Paul publicly proclaimed Jesus Christ as Lord. And that word proclaimed has, has become kind of a technical word for preaching or teaching. It doesn't mean standing up uh, in a church like this and giving a sermon. It means announcing or proclaiming to people the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus Christ. It can happen in, in two minutes or, or 20 minutes or, or longer. But Paul did this. He did it in the marketplace when he would have only had a short chance and opportunity. He did it in the synagogue where he had more, more time and more opportunity. He did it in people's place, own, own homes where they had time to discuss these things. He even rented a hall in Ephesus where he proclaimed Jesus Christ um, for anyone who would come and listen. So Paul was serious about telling people about Jesus. But no disciple ever graduates from the need to hear the message of the gospel of Jesus over and over again. How does that work? Well, everything that we need to grow in our Christian maturity comes through the living word of God, through Jesus Christ. So the word of God is not just words on a page. The word of God is living and active. And we need God's word if we are to grow like Jesus Christ because Jesus is the living word. And earlier in this chapter, in verse 25, Paul says that he preached the word of God fully and effectively fully and effectively and he summarizes that message by saying that it is Christ living in us the hope of glory so to proclaim the word of Christ means to bring spiritual life to people by God's Holy Spirit who now lives within believers and it is the Holy Spirit who is uh, who draws us closer to Christ through the hope of glory so every person who comes to faith in Jesus Christ has his spirit within us. And so we walk with him as we learn from him as the spirit helps us to understand the word of God. And together we proclaim Jesus Christ in all that we do. It is a part of our life because Christ is in us, the hope of glory, and we share that with other people. It's a sure and certain hope that we have. Of the future glory so to be a Christian is to have Christ within us and to proclaim Christ is to apply his word uh, to ourselves and to our, our uh, daily lives and Paul says that he continues to teach this truth he says we proclaim him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so he teaches the truths of the Bible to people. He admonishes them. What does that mean? Well, that means he corrects them. Particularly new Christians need to, need to be corrected. But then sometimes Christian, older Christians haven't learnt to be corrected and it's even harder. But we need to live under the authority of the teaching of God's word and that means uh, correcting and admonishing one another with all wisdom with all wisdom 
That's so important, isn't it? One of our children was told that they shouldn't read Harry Potter because it was evil. That was not admonishment with wisdom. That was discouragement. We need to be very careful that we actually teach God's word. It is the word of God that is the source of our teaching and our admonishment with all wisdom. So what we need today is the proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ, teaching and warning us by his word. We don't need to change the message because we're 2,000 years on. What we need to do is apply the message because we are 2,000 years on. So the outcome of our living a Christ-centred life applied to today will show itself in mature Christian living. And others will see that as we grow to maturity. So Paul gives us um, his mission to present everyone mature in Christ, to see people grow as disciples of Jesus Christ. He gives us his method where the Bible, the word of God is central as it's taught with all wisdom. And then thirdly and finally, he gives us uh, he, he tells us the manner of his approach. He tells us um, with, with what energy he does this. And that last sentence in, in verse 29, to this end I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me, is an incredible verse. Uh, could he be any more emphatic about this priority and intention in his life. With a single-minded approach, the Apostle Paul gives everything in order to achieve his mission. And the words that are used here are strong words for struggle. It's like a wrestling match. It, it, it is hard work. Um, some translations say it's contending with an opponent. You are against pitted against someone and it requires all of your strength and energy to stand your ground paul said he disciplined himself and now it's game on in all he does he's prepared to persevere to the end you can never be half-hearted in our mission for the church when the apostle paul gives us such a strong um, model to follow. Uh, do you remember the story of, of Stephen Bradbury? I'm sure everybody does. He's the guy who got a gold medal in the 2002 Winter Olympics uh, in the 5,000 metre sprint because he was the last man standing, basically. He was on the radio a couple of weeks ago because they're thinking of closing Macquarie Ice Skating Rink and that's where he learned to skate. So they interviewed him and, and I was interested to hear a bit of his life story. Um, in 1991, I think it was, if I can see my notes here. Um, yeah, 1991, he was part of the first Australian team to ever win uh, a World Championship winter medal. That was 1991. It was a relay, the 5,000 metre relay. In 1994, Stephen Bradbury won a bronze medal at the Winter Olympics, he was the first ever Australian to win 
uh, winter medal, winter Olympic medal. Later that year, in 1994, in a World Cup event, another skater collided with him and, and sliced his quadricep. Uh, he was so kind of pumped up because he was racing that he lost four litres of blood in no time flat and he was uh, taken away to the, by ambulance. He was determined to reach the Winter Olympics in 1998. And he did. He made a comeback, but he didn't win any medals. Then in the year 2000, while skating or training, he broke his neck. He broke his neck trying to avo avoid someone who had fallen over in front of him. He needed four pins inserted into his skull with screws and plates bolted to his chest and his back and the doctor told him he should never ice skate again, <laughs> which seems like a fair call. That was the year 2000. But again, he was determined to race in the 2002 Winter Olympics and the results are now recorded in history. So never think that doing a Brad Bradbury is the easy way to win something. Doing a Bradbury means amazing dedication and determination to his, to his purpose of wanting to win a medal at the Winter Olympics. He risked everything for a gold medal. What are we prepared to risk for Jesus Christ? See, we, we see this same kind of exertion in Paul's life as we see in Stephen Bradbury's life, just with a different focus. The Apostle Paul is focused on seeing people grow to maturity in Jesus Christ. And he will put whatever is needed in to be able to do that. He wrote this letter to, a, to this bunch of Colossians, these Christians in this town he'd never been to, with the motivation of having them stick with the plan of growing as disciples of Jesus Christ and helping others to grow as disciples of Jesus Christ. And Paul says he does this not just with his own strength, but he puts all of his own strength into this. But he's also confident that it is God who powerfully works within him. So we add our resolve and our purpose and our mission to God's strength and great things uh, can be achieved. And Paul is the example. He gave his life for the mission of God. And God strengthened him and uh, worked through him. Now I want to say as I finish up, we are stronger than we think. We are stronger than we think. Or should I say that Jesus Christ in us makes us stronger than we think. With God powerfully working in us personally and amongst us as his church, we can achieve the purpose that God has intended for us to achieve. We can help people to become more mature in their relationship with Jesus Christ. It will require our dedication and our energy, but we can do it. And um, if, we, if we want to do that, then there are two things I think that we need to take care of first. The first one is, personally, we need to put our, ourselves in a place where, we'll, where we will receive God's word, being taught, warning and admonishing us with all wisdom. 
It's great to come to church, but we need a, a, a place of, of a smaller group of people where we can uh, discuss God's word and teach and warn and admonish each other with all wisdom. So join a growth group. If you are not in a growth group, then please reconsider. Are you too busy? Is it too, too difficult? Can I encourage you then to look at your mission and change your priorities? Next week we have the opportunity uh, to sign up again for growth groups for this year. Um, you have the chance this week to pray about that and to think that through. And if there's not a group for you, well then we, we can make one. We can make one. As we all should be encouraged to be in, in a small group. And the second thing we need to do is to get active in our Christian service of others. Our walk with, with the Lord is dependent upon um, our interaction with him through his word and our service of him through um, the way that we use our gifts. And if you think, well, what can I do? Begin with where you are. Serve at home. Serve the people in your workplace. Serve the people in your church, officially or unofficially. One of the great things about All Saints is that we have uh, a very high number of people committed to small groups and a very high number of people on service rosters. So that's great, isn't it? So let me encourage you to continue with that and maybe to have a renewed enthusiasm and energy for those two things as we focus again on growing disciples for life. It's the mission of our church. It's been the mission of the church throughout the ages. And it's the way that Christian faith has spread throughout the world. So as a follower of Jesus Christ and as a member of All Saints, let's work together with single-minded focus, with all that we have in order to see God's kingdom become more and more of a reality in our lives and in our world. Let me pray.